I think that we're definitely everyone's best friend. Yeah, I think we're definitely everybody's super best friend. What is this? What is this? A good. Um... out there in music video land my name is adam fairholm and you're listening to the sweet dulcet sounds of the music video land podcast put on by your really awesome good friends if you need money for the vending machine we loan it to you we don't even ask for it back it's just a dollar what's a dollar between friends like us uh, uh with me as all oh i got weird real quick um and with me as per usual is mr doug Klinger, all the way from glorious center of the world boynton beach florida how are you doug super good center of the world coming through uh how are you adam very good and uh i'm very good for a few reasons usually you know just regular stuff and then we have uh a great interview for this podcast we have mr Uh, matt amato who is the co-founder of the masses and if you're not familiar with the masses uh, you should be because we have had several of their directors on this podcast. Um, they are a uh, cl- artistic collective, I guess is the best way I describe it, where they are a collection of people who make music videos, commercials, films. Um, they actually do live uh, art installations as well. Uh, we've talked to Alistair Legrand, Ben Fee, Eli Stoneberg, and now we're talking to the co-founder, Matt Amato. Uh, who and we got to talk to him a lot about the masses because this is something that he started. Um, it's something that has attracted a lot of really great music video talent. They put out a lot of really fantastic music video work. So it was great to talk to him about how the masses started and, and, and what it's doing. And also, he was one of my best friends at camp. That's right. I forgot he went to the OMG Everywhere camp, did he? That's right. Not only did he go there, he was... Big time. The it, masses not are as, a, big, not the masses as a, are a child. Big part. Not as a child. He was not a child. The masses are a big part of OMG. And so, the, and we're well represented um, as they are on the podcast, like you just said. Also well represented at the OMG camp. Uh, rightfully so, because they're all uh, great, great humans. So that's a great thing to have mentioned. Um, we should mention uh, Matt, aside from being the co founder of the masses, is also a music video director, um, or is a music video, I shouldn't say. Also, um, he has directed one of uh, my, fa- my favorite videos, 40 Day Dream for Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. And we'll hear in the podcast, there's in the interview, there's an interesting connection between the masses and Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Um, <clears throat> did I say Magnetic Zeros? I always, I always say something wrong instead of Magnetic. It, people know what you're talking about. Okay, that's good. It's not like there's another band that's closely named that people are like, oh, which one is he talking about? Is he talking about the Magnetic or the others? And so he's talking know. about the Beatles or the Bradles. It's very, right. it's it's very important. <laughs> you're okay. Um, you're, you're fine. As well um, as uh, um, Juarez for We Are Augustines, No Cigarettes for Withered Hands, um, Anti Psalm for Sister uh, Crayon. A lot of really great videos. So we'll be talking to him as well as the interesting, probably very little known connection between. Um, uh, music videos, Heath Ledger and the Masses. Interesting part of the conversation there. So that's coming up in the second half of our podcast. Doug, do you agree? I do agree that that's coming. I don't agree that it's actually halfway through. I think it's more the second, the second fourth of the podcast. Really? Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm. I, I get it. I just say. I like to say. It's okay. Half. We're we're not changing it. Tune in to about the 20-minute point if you are only interested in hearing us ask Matt questions, because that's when it'll happen. So one of the music videos that I, that I mentioned, 40 Day Dream for Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, is um, interesting for a number of reasons. But one of them is that it it's a music video that ties into a larger series. And that series is called Salvo, all capitals with an exclamation point. So I guess you say it, Salvo like that and um it's 12 parts 
40 day dream uh, 40 day dream is part number three the third installment and i and it was the last it has not uh it has not gone beyond that it is an un, unfulfilled unrealized completed uh series but you know doug you and i know we've, we've come across this a number of times these and they're really interesting these music video series where a music video doesn't just stand alone it's part of a larger whole Right, and and, and uh, just to clarify, what we're calling is a, a music video series. Um, it's it's more than one music video tied together, either narratively or through co- some kind of you know some kind of structure. And there's a variety of different ways that you'll see them. Sometimes it'll be like a story, like it's to be continued, or or just kind of a thread. Um, other times it'll be kind of structured within an album, which you'll see a lot. Uh, a, an artist putting out an album and then either you know distributing all of their songs out to different directors and, and putting it as one kind of visual piece that accompanies that particular album. Uh, and, that, and that's what you, you'll see more often than not. Yeah, it's something that I don't think was really possible before music videos were on the internet because before, when they were on you know cable, it was you basically had that one block. There wasn't really an opportunity to do something that had uh, like a narr- like a narrative structure or even you could do a thematic or, or artistic structure to it. But you could never guarantee anything was going to be played in in sequence or anything like that. So you're seeing a lot more, um, you know, instead of creating an album and saying we're going to create, you know, three separate music videos or three singles, the kind of traditional way, um, you're seeing people, uh, you know, kind of come up with an interesting structure to it. One of my fa- the, oh, go ahead, Doug. I was just going to say, and and YouTube has has tools. Now, which is obviously where most people are watching music videos on YouTube, you know, YouTube with their playlist features and stuff, they've utilized the playlist feature in a lot of different ways. One of those ways being is you can kind of link music videos. And sometimes if you want to do, you know, take the the nine videos in your music video series and you can link them all together through YouTube's playlist feature and someone just, you know, basically hits play on the first one and then they can sit there and watch them all right at once, you know, no no interruptions at all and and watch that whole series. So I do think that the technology that's been introduced, you know, in the last few years has definitely, you know, encouraged and is, has helped out this this form of, of music videos. And I think when you say sitting down and watching a music video series back to back to back, you cannot not mention my personal favorite in the dumb category uh, music video series that is R. Kelly Trapped in the Closet, and we we and uh, Doug, I know you're uh, you're also a fan of R. Kelly's Trapped in the Closet. Yeah, this is the king of the phoned in <laughs> idea that's supposed to seem like it took a lot of time to think out. It's like every every song there's like I don't know I don't know the exact number twenty six thirty something there's like that twenty two twenty two. Everyone uses the same background. Like most of them, they don't even take like song structure in mind. It's just like, and it's like supposed to be an epic movie That's or something That's kind like of the it. point. That's kind of the point, though, that they're all, all the same. It's more of like a, it's more like a story t- storytelling thing than Right, a song. right. No, it, it definitely is, but it's like just absurd. It, you know, and it, it's very, like, very loose, loosely tied together. And, and do they just throw in a bunch of stuff? And, uh, and, and the reason I'm personally so upset by it is because... R. Kelly has done some great storytelling music videos, at least better than this stuff. You know, some of the stuff that he used to do with with Ron Isley and and stuff like that in the past, uh, not not quite as relevant to this conversation because most of them were contained within one video. You would see the characters pop up here and there throughout, but for the most part, um, actually, I do think that the, those count because the characters still have the same names and stuff, and I think that a character thread f- fits into this conversation. So. Um, I do think a character thread fits into yeah, this character. So, it, well, and just speaking so of characters, has, I just need to well, mention real quick a file that a link will put in the show notes. That there, there is a chart of all the characters in Trapped in the Closet. Oh, that's an important chart to reference for <laughs> sure. Um, but there has been previous character threads with R. Kelly and Ron Isley, for example, where Ron Isley is this character of Mr. Big and, and R. Kelly keeps having sex with his wives and keeps getting beat up and in trouble for it. And um, those are actually executed very well and were relatively impactful videos of the of that era and so you know to have him come with this like half-assed you know green screen you know cameo filled absurd thing that is trapped in the closet it just makes it re- seem really sad and desperate but uh 
for the most part, I don't think music video series are at all sad and desperate. I think they're just using utilizing the technology that that's around. Right. I think the one thing that R. Kelly's, I mean, that was a kind of a, a, fam- a famous music video series, and it was released in the serial format between 2005 and 2007. Um, and I mean, he made 22 of these things. It could cost $3 million to make this thing. And I think that the, the, probably one of the biggest benefits that he got out of it was there were so many parodies of it. Um, I remember the Weird Al Yankovic, uh, Trapped in the Drive Through. Yeah, which was, which was funny. That was only one music video, but a lot of people, yeah. a lot of people did parodies and that was, I mean, that's always important. Yeah, no, parodies are important. It shows, uh, what's, what's that phrase? The, the coolest thing about flattery, some something, somebody. Uh, the sincerest form of flattery is imitation. I thought not people making fun of you. Parody though, parody. Okay, yeah, you can you can say that if you want. Um, but you're Whatever. right. There there are a lot of more. There are a lot of more serious ones, and I think that the the, the more serious ones have come out in the last few years. And, and the one that is actually we actually have one that is currently in the process, and that is uh, Sigur Ross. I can't. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but I'm gonna go with it. And that is the Voltari mystery film experiment for their album Voltari, and they they basically took. Now here's a little. It's a little confusing the way they set this up because they bill it as something. They say uh, we gave a dozen filmmakers, a dozen meaning twelve, obviously, uh, you know, a small budget, and they asked them to create. Basically, they gave them a complete artistic freedom, and they didn't tell them each other what they were doing. They gave them a song. And they just said, go for it. And they started releasing them uh, in a serial format, you know, meaning, you know, it started on May 25th. And then, you know, every week or so it would release or every so often it would release a new video. And And also, by the way, just just to throw in there, uh, this was made popular by Shia LaBeouf's penis primarily. Yes. A lot of people paid paid a lot of attention. (laughs) That was the third penis. video, yeah. Not to say that they're not t- uh, artists, uh, uh, you know, that the videos are bad or anything like that. I just think that this this particular music video series got a lot of attention based heavily on Shia LaBeouf's penis. That's and it, that's there ain't no shame in that. Um, but the thing that that confuses me, they say that they ha- gave twelve filmmakers the same but the same modest budget. They say. But then they've got like 16 or 18, I think, spaces on their site. One of them is for a, a fan-directed video that they're going to announce on October 8th, a week from today, or a week from October 1st. And <laughs> um, uh, but so, I, so the numbers don't really add up. They've already, I think, they're already at um, they're already at 10 videos so far. So they and then, then they have six slots left. One is for the fan-made video. So why not are you really sure? That, why are you telling people that it's a week from October first? Uh, just so they have reference from exactly. So it? when so they can tell how outdated this is. Um, <laughs> but see, yeah, but the the videos are are great. They're very. I mean, uh, they're very artistic. Especially the the one with um, uh, with Shia LaBeouf was. Yeah, just... I don't think we gave that gave that uh, any any context. I think I just said. It said Shia LaBeouf's penis a bunch of times and we never mentioned that it was actually in one of the music videos. Like, it's not like it went out there and told people, people to watch know. this People stuff. know. Yeah, no, you're right. Especially yeah. the listening to this podcast. Um, but they've got some I, good, really neat directors in there. There's uh, Malika Bass, uh, Nick Abrams has done a video. Um, uh, the one with the Shia LaBeouf was uh, Alma Harrell. Um, and there's some right. some big names in there. A lot of them are are names I cannot pronounce. I don't know where uh, Sigur Ross is from. And a lot of the names of the songs are like that too. Mm. You can't pronounce those either. They all have like weird um, additional things on top of the letters and stuff. I don't know what those are called. I don't know, I've never mean. been out of the country. I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> well, yeah, you were born in Canada, and that's not this the same country. But oh uh, yeah, I've been to okay. I've been to I've been to that country in the Dominican Republic. So Sweet. I'm not exactly the most world really cultured. Uh, let's talk about some of these other uh, examples of series that, that listeners of this podcast would definitely be familiar with. Um, and that's uh, the TV on the radio, Nine Types of Life. Uh, excuse me, Nine Types of Light. Uh, I. I guess it's a movie. It was released as like a DVD, as, as like a movie, but it also was um, just nine different music videos. Uh, 
wait. It was also just 12 different music videos, uh, which makes it a little confusing because it's nine types of light and then 12 videos, but that's cool because we get it. Um, but several of the directors who we interviewed on the um, Music Video Land podcast uh, contributed to this series, including Dugan O'Neill and Tim Nakashi. That's right. This one was interesting because they, they, the movie had an overall director, um, uh, and this is a name I'm definitely going to get it wrong, Tundi Adabimp. I, um, he directed the full Nine Types of Light movie and actually storybooked the music videos um, t- uh, together. And uh, and then, yeah, he also did one of the um, individual music videos as well, I believe. Right. Um, and, you know, the, actually, the, the music videos that came out of that were really fantastic and interesting. Uh, Dugan O'Neill's Will Do and Tim Nakashi's Caffeinated Consciousness were also, or both, really... Uh, fantastic music videos. Um, yeah, like even st- like standalone, you know, outside of the series, don't need context for them at all. They mm-hmm. like they're just yeah, I, I agree. Really great uh, music videos. And then I guess another one I, I wanted to mention quickly is the Rust Chimes Midnight EP, directed by former podcast uh, uh, interviewee Saman Keshavars, uh, which took told a story and it was actually quite a complex story not quite as complex as trapped in the closet <laughs> um but uh, uh it tells a complex story within uh three music videos so taking the um they, they called it a music video trilogy taking it from the film you know you know godfather godfather one two and three type movie deal and making it uh, um three ones that flowed together which was really interesting um I, th- I think uh, it is no disrespect to say that it's not as complex as Trapped in the Closet because that's got some twists and turns. Uh, one thing that I, I want to mention really quick um, is uh, one that I forgot about before up until just now, which was one that features a character, which uh, was just on our homepage, the um, the character of Gino, uh, I think it's Gene Noel, Gene Noel something, we suck at names, especially <laughs> me, uh, uh, is a character that is uh, was invented or written by Andres Nielsen for the uh, band Mike Snow. And he appears in uh, a couple of, I think he appears in three Andres Nielsen videos for Mike Snow. And then he's also in the most recent music video Pretender for Mike Snow. Uh, and so the that's big also, nose. Yeah, the guy with the big nose, the funny face. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a cool con- it's a cool concept there too. That, that's a series kind of, a, a thread, threaded with a character. Yeah, I like seeing these, uh, you know, characters or kind of continuity between music videos. It's it's a it's a, it's a lot of fun, especially when, um, you, you know, narrative music videos. I think some directors do it really well, and I know it's extremely challenging to fit a narrative in the space of a song, which is going to be, you know, three four minutes. You're not gonna. You're not gonna get a lot of songs that are you know six seven minutes that they want to make a music video for the full thing. It just gets too, well, too expensive at that point, or just too much of a slog to to sit through. So when you do something like a trilogy, or you do something like telling a story over a number of videos, um, not that our all of our examples were telling stories particularly, but some of them were. Um, you know, I think you have a little bit of a, a choice to, to to expand on ideas, expand on characters, especially with the um, the Rust Chimes Midnight EP uh, situation. Uh, you know, Salman Keshavars was able to you know tell more of an expansive story that would really never fit in a single music video, especially not in the way that he structured it, the way that it kind of. How it's how it's edited and cut together. It also opens it up for a little bit more of a, um, you know, creativity in that. You know, it allows you to keep that. What makes a, you know, because if you wanted to fit all of that story into three minutes, you would have to basically play it out very straightforward and very narratively. You know, beginning to end, and it would lose some of what makes a music video, uh, you know, an appealing art form to a lot of people, which is you know freedom in in the way it's edited and cut and displayed. And I think you're allowed to you're able to preserve that by by splitting it up into a trilogy. So um, yeah, that's a great another great example there. Do we, are we counting? Um, what if a director uses an actor a lot, but it's not necessarily the same character? Such as like a Johnny Depp type thing. 
Tim no, Burton and Johnny I'm gonna, Depp? <laughs> not quite that. I'm going to say like um, when Ryan McNeil uses that funny looking guy, Jeff Average, all the time. Do you remember that? Way back. I'm going back. No. Ryan McNeil's interview too. He had like that weird looking short guy with a mustache that he always shoved in his videos. Then he helped him <laughs> make a Kickstarter campaign. I'm going back, bro. Uh, episode two, Jeff Average. We even have him on a, a page for him in our database. And he's in four of, uh, he's in more than half of Ryan McNeil's music videos. So, um, Well, Ryan McNeil was on episode four, first of all. Oh, what did I say? Two? Yeah, you said two. I was Matt Wells. Oh, yeah, Matt Wells, right. I don't. I don't think that counts. First of all, for what we're talking about, but it's a good, <laughs> but good memory. Good reference, bro. But not doesn't count. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, he's like a big guy. He's kind of, but he's short. But he's yeah, he's definitely portly. Yeah. Well, there you go. Listen to me. I know all the names for to call fat people because I've <laughs> been called them all. Uh, uh, so, so I think we should do interviewing now. Yeah, yeah. On that note, on that really weird, awkward, uncomfortable <laughs> note, let's kick it to let's kick it to Matt because it's it's he'll bring us back to reality. He will. And uh, if you listen to the top of the podcast, I mentioned we're talking to Mr. Matt Amato, who is the co-founder of a um, artistic collective group that we are big fans of, and who we've interviewed several members of the masses. Um, and so in this interview, we talk a little bit about the masses, uh, as well as Matt's own music video directing work, which uh, you should definitely check out on the site. In the show notes, you'll find a link to his filmed insert page with all of the data there for your perusing. Uh, so without further ado, we have our interview with Matt Amato. I direct music videos uh, for uh, some really talented people, um, singers, songwriters, usually. Uh, I travel uh, to film them, and uh, I like to create portraits of these artists, and uh, it's fun. So you are a, a founding member of The Masses, which uh, yes. frequent listeners of the podcast will remember We've had some directors on on there from the masses like uh, Eli Stoneberg, Ben Fee, Alistair Legrand, um, and you know we've talked a lot about the, the masses. And I was wondering if you could just give us a little bit of sense of where the masses come comes from, since you, since you are a founding member. Well, the masses comes from a, a friendship and a desire to share software, and. Uh, uh, just helping each other out with um, uh, computer-related um, videos. Uh, it started out, um, you know, with the, the digital age. Really, um, you know, people started working together in a different way. Uh, you didn't have to be in the same city to work together. You could work online together. Um, you know, just kind of how we do things now. So that was back in two thousand three. And uh, it was just me and a, and a friend, and then uh, we it just started to naturally um, and organically grow, um, you know, just through a network of friends, really, and people of, of like like minds. And uh, uh, it's it's never been we've never had to, to seek out any talent. It's always just naturally gravitated towards the center, and. Um, and now it's more of a formal business production company, uh, director's agency. Um, you know, we're we're growing from there. Uh, I want to make movies. Uh, you know, we we want to we want to do a lot of things. So it's it's just a very um, organic and natural growth that I've experienced with the masses. So so you know now I guess people probably get an understanding of how when it's more official how it's structured but but prior to it becoming you know an official kind of business kind of structure like it is now um was it more of just like a place for collaboration and and uh you know the ability to kind of just work together on projects with like-minded thinkers absolutely that's that was very informal um but we like the way 
we work together and it seems like we've never really lost that that ideal of um, everybody everyone pitches in I think Doug kind of uh, got a, a sense of that during the camp um, um, when we show up on set uh, we clean it and then we take out the trash at the end and it doesn't matter if you're the director or the PA it's like I, I believe that we're all um, on an equal plane when we're, work, when we're working together and um, at least that's that's how I like to approach my sets and um, it seems like we've been able to to do things our way very effectively um, and that's that's a reason for having your own company, right? So you can kind of do things your way. Um, Definitely, so yeah, it's, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> but uh, you know, I think nice being being nice is it matters a lot, and being willing to to do the dirty work and uh, to be responsible for your work. Uh, those are the real common denominators. And you mentioned uh, when you were describing the early days of or, or where the masses came from, sharing software, which kind of struck me. What do you, what do you what were you guys sharing in those in like the two thousand three, you know, to two thousand five ish era time? It would be probably some of the two D animation programs, um, maybe even some Maya stuff. We are getting into like three D storyboards and um, so. Not only putting that into our work, but using it to, to pitch our work or to to, to make an, an, an effective um, um, storyboard. Um, so you know, we we started digging into to all this new software, and <clears throat> I didn't know how to use it personally. So I started to rely on other people, you know, to who knew about animation, and it just seemed like um, everyone came out of the woodwork, you know, with all their various skills. And um, with that came software. Everyone, everyone was grooving on their, on their favorite piece of software, and thus, you know, we we shared, um, and uh, you know, shared each other's skills as well, and it started figuring into the work. And um, <clears throat> yeah, so I personally, I like looking at at work and calling on other people's ideas, and uh, remembering uh, whose idea that was, and. Um, so when I when I do have a chance to look back at at, at the work we've done, I, I always think of all the contributions that that funnel into every piece of work that we have on that site. So I don't just look at it as um, one person's authorship. It really is a, a, a collective that creates this stuff. You mentioned that you know you you approach a lot of your sets where everyone's kind of coming on equal grounds, you know, you're, everyone's approaching it as a, like going, again, going back to the collaborative kind of nature of the masses and, and something that we've noticed when kind of looking at the, you know, your fellow crew members on a video is that a lot of times you'll see people kind of working on VFX or, you know, helping with the production of your videos. And then, you know, a year later, you'll, you're seeing those, those names at the top of, you know, as directors of videos and something like that. Do you, do you find that there's like a mentorship going on at the masses as well? Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> and again, that's a very, very natural thing. I mean, we had this thing called the Masses Lab, which overtly um, kind of opened the door to video makers on more of a student level. And um, that was a great experiment. And we netted three great directors from, from that group. And, um, <clears throat> and yeah, absolutely, there is a mentorship thing going on. Um, people reach out all the time, um, all over the world, and we get some great letters and people who have been really affected by the work, and it's not like we have an open door policy, but if you write a really intelligent letter, um, we're going to read it, and uh, you know, if it's really intelligent, um, I'll probably want to meet that person, and you know, that's, that's how we found uh, Elliot Sellers. Uh, he just wrote us uh, some really thoughtful letters about uh, what our work meant to him and um, you know it definitely got him a meeting with me um, but like I said it's not like we had an open door policy you know for for anybody that gives us a shout out but um, people do find us and um, they get 
better and brighter um, each time. Uh, so that's how I that's how I kind of gauge our growth is the quality of the people who discover us. And um, yeah, it's kind of undeniable, you know, when someone like Elliot Sellers walks through the door, you know, that he's not you're not going to be mentoring him for long. You know that um, he actually had a lot to teach me, um, uh, you know, upon his arrival. You know, so it's it goes both ways. Was he writing actual letters that like he was sending through the mail? No, no, he's he, he he's not that amazing. Okay, <laughs> I was just wondering about that. <laughs> These are emails. Sorry. That would be sorry. cool. Would if, if if is there a is there an address or somebody could write you a letter? Absolutely, and actually, this this one video maker sent us um, a, a shoe with a, a frame <laughs> around it, and saying that she was putting her best foot forward with us. And uh, uh, I thought that was really cool. We um, we kept the shoe, but um, yeah, she. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she she just walked in off the street. We we used to have our our. our address on our website. I think that may have made it one of the reasons why we, we took it off. Um, maybe it's on there. I'm not sure, actually. Um, so yeah, I mean, come on down. Uh, <laughs> let me meet you. <laughs> your, uh, just for confirmation, your address is not on your website. So I it's think you're, yeah, you're safe yeah. for now. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, I also wanted to ask you, I've seen your name mentioned alongside uh, a specific piece of equipment, which is uh, I, I find unique and interesting. It's and I, th I believe these cameras were floating around at the um, at the OMG Everywhere camp, and um, I, 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 it, it kind of ties into my question about you know the the I, I, for lack of a better term the documentary style of or feel of a lot of your videos. And I'm thinking specifically of uh, the Wolves Act One and Two for Bonnie Vera and um, you know Real Love by Beach House and and and, and that vein of video. Um, and the camera is the uh, Harin Zuni camera from Japan, and I was wondering if uh, if that you know, if it's right to or correct to kind of uh, associate your work with that uh, camera or, or one that you heavily use, and if it has a, an influence on um, you know on on your style at all. Well, sure. Um, I was given the camera by another filmmaker, and. Um, and I was asked to make a little film with it. And that film quickly got me into some nice museums right away along, alongside other artists like Harmony Corrine and Albert Maisels and Jonas Mikis. And the list went on. And all of a sudden, I was kind of catapulted into this very illustrious group of artists because they liked the movie that I made with this little camera. It's a complete surprise to me. Um, the, the payoff that making this little film would have on this little camera. Um, they sent me to Tokyo to meet with them, um, and they, um, you know, they they kept me there for over a week. Um, uh, uh, they just wanted me to come there and film and to work with their cameras, and so they they send me a lot of these cameras to give to other artists, and um, it's I, I just can't tell you what 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 a gift um, this company has been in my life and now it's enhancing the lives of, of other filmmakers and and um, people discovering cameras for the first time um, it's directly influencing my style um, recently because um, I'm able to travel and film on airplanes and uh, there's been a lot of airplane shots in my, in my last couple of videos and uh, my upcoming video um, is for a band called Wild Nothing, and it's going to star the actress Michelle Williams. And uh, we're going to be able to make this video because I have the Harnazumi camera. Um, no one's going to, to bother us as we film, even though Michelle's a big star. Um, people just won't, won't clock what we're doing, and in that way we get to to create uh, like a very private world around what we're doing, even though we're out in the world. So it's uh, um, it, it's a camera that can that can really uh, create a freedom for the, for the filmmaker as well as an intimacy that you might have with your particular subject. 
And, um, yeah, so I, I, I do appreciate that. Um, last summer I, I, I spent, um, a week with a family from Edinburgh to do a, a video for this songwriter that goes by the name of Withered Hand. And, uh, it was great. You know, they actually cleared out a space in their closet. So that's where I would sleep. And, um, I just joined the family for a few days and they didn't even, it's, and you can only do that if you don't really have the apparatus of filmmaking around you. Um, I like to erase that um, barrier, basically. I, I, I hate the apparatus of filmmaking. I, I, I think you, know, the, you should just, the camera should be just an extension of what you see and how you um, interpret the world. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, it's um, very, very liberating. And um, uh, I love it. You know, I, I, I can go all over the world and make, make my things with, without a crew. And it's just one-on-one. Um, I'll be going to Sweden in November to work with the, the tallest man on earth. But I think I'll be switching up the camera. There's a new camera from Sweden that I want to work with. Um, now, is when you're working with a camera like that, is there a lot of post-production work that you have to do to make it up to snub to you know kind of look similar to you know your 70s and your you know red epic cameras and everything like that, or or are you kind of only doing about the same amount of you know post post color treatment and that kind of stuff when using that style of camera? Well, I. I always transcode it to Apple ProRes, which is you know a, a nice um, common ground for file sizes. So right then and there, it makes the file a much bigger file and one that you can broadcast. So that's that's a solid file. I make everything Apple ProRes, and then there are some noise reduction filters that I use sometimes um, because. Sometimes the image gets a bit noisy, and I just use a, a nice little noise reduction. But I never have to do any color adjustment because that's the beauty of that camera is that it has an incredibly vivid and very unique color spectrum. One that is not, a, you know, no filter can really duplicate. And that's why I continue to work with it. Is that um, it's still better than an iPhone app. It's still <laughs> better than a filter that you could add in Final Cut Pro. It does have a unique beauty that's sometimes akin to 8mm. But yeah, I, I just did a video for Bill Fay um, where I actually cropped the hell out of it. So it's actually 16 by 9 And um, the people who have been watching it lately in the office are like, that you know, doesn't look at all like I've seen the image. But um, it's, it's not like I, I try and take various formats and, make, and try and match them with other formats. You know, I, I do like to explore the beauty of each camera and I like using all sorts of cameras. You know, I, I, my last few videos before these were done on the Sony F3 and that's another great camera you can operate on your own. I've, you know, I've, I've done all, all my uh, red operating on my own and the Epic operating on my own. And, you know, there's a lot of cameras you can use on your own and this is just one of them. Um, this 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 next camera, um, I'll be shooting on my own, and you know it's like, I mean, in, in the digital world, you you really you really don't need um, a camera crew to, to to shoot your stuff. Um, usually, I just like to strip down the body of the camera, um, find lenses that are the perfect lens for what I'm doing, and hopefully not too heavy, and just run and gun it. And um, I use a I use what's called a cine saddle, which is like a large beanbag, and that becomes my my tripod, and it can go anywhere on the roof of cars, on boats, on planes, on horses, um, roller coasters. I mean, this that thing has been everywhere with me. I usually take it around the world with me. So I I, I have a backpack with a camera, and this beanbag called the cine saddle, and that's pretty much how I've done all my work in the past you know few years. Now, for the, the Cine Saddle, it w did you use that on the Edward Sharp 40-day uh, dream video? Yeah, of course. Okay, I was wondering, because I was looking at those shots and wondering, I was like, what is this camera attached to? That makes, that makes more sense. Okay. 
and uh, especially especially my work with We Are Augustines. Um, mm -hmm. I did all the camera work myself, and um, you know that that camera was pretty much everywhere, but all on the center saddle. And it's that's why I'm able to move fast. Um, I guess that's what I really care about is um, moving fast and um, trusting my eye in terms of composition and and just moving. And that's 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 what I uh, that's what I look for. Um, I try and have uh, try and create some real energy in my work. And a lot of the people I work with are um, very reluctant camera subjects. You know, they're not used to being in front of the camera. And I found that the best way to work with those types of people is to move fast, so you can catch them before they even start to think, or catch them when they're thinking. You know, but don't like involve them in your process too much because they'll. You know, they don't know what to do with it, really. And, you know, along those lines, when you have, when you're trying to capture something and, you know, you know, be flexible to be able to capture, you know, your subject like that, because you mentioned they're not always, you know, you know, trained to be in front of a camera. What is, right. um, what does a treatment look like for a, a video, like, especially when a lot of that happens in the moment? How much, how, how much do you reveal in a treatment? I write my treatments in a very sparse manner. Um, if I know I'm, I'm going to be shooting it uh, out in the world, um, and I, if it has a certain kind of scope that's ambitious, uh, because I don't want to promise anything. So uh, it has very few words and very few pictures. Um, I usually make the pictures large, like large on the page. And it's usually like a one or two page treatment. Sometimes it's just an image and a sentence. Um, now there are other videos that I've done where I've storyboarded everything, um, you know, down to the last second. But that's a different style of, of, of filmmaking, um, and that is a style that involves a crew and um, you know some real formal camera work when you're translating what you want to a whole camera team and where you have eight pairs of hands and feet to move the camera in a certain way and you know then things have to be uh, prefigured in a different way of course but if I'm just going out in the world and doing something myself I want to keep things very um, open because I want the world in the video so um, uh, even though we know what we want to communicate and what our intentions are, and we will get permits for a few things if we know we're going to be filming there, and we always know the rules before we get to a place. Um, but I do feel like we are in the moment, and and we are free to um, get that shot. And uh, so I don't like to tie myself down. So yeah, you. I think you intuited that they're very sparse, um, the, the treatments. You mentioned working with people who aren't used to being in front of the camera, but there are occasions where you work with people who are used to being in front of the camera too. You mentioned that you're working on something now with, with Michelle Williams. Um, you also have uh, cast Brady, uh, Brady Corbett, who people may know from uh, Funny Games and, and some other you know big pop culture style stuff. What, what, um, what place does an actor like that kind of have in the music video industry, do you think? Well, um, I think an actor, a serious actor, puts the musicians on their best behavior. Um, <clears throat> especially if you're talking about camera work. So it's, it's like they'll rise to to uh, to the occasion, I feel if there's a real professional around, and Brady's a very real person, a, a very cool guy. You know, uh, when he met um, the Augustines on the beach, like just two minutes before we started shooting, um, you know, he, you know, he was already uh, communicating with them. You know, and they were watching him work, and so they had a chance to watch him work before they had their hero shots. So I feel like by the time we got around to them, they had already observed Brady at work with me in a really concentrated way. And I think that's why I really love um, actors is their ability to concentrate while the camera's on them. 
And um, I feel like that's that's the big moments I get from these musicians as well. It's just moments where um, they are being still or they're practicing a, a kind of um, concentrated inactivity. You know, like I I rather see a musician just sit than actually play his instrument because we've all seen people play instruments and in videos, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of times. Um, so a lot of times we like to even take away uh, uh, everything that that um, says they're musicians, you know, like in the Beach House video, um, they used to be. Um, we intentionally didn't want them to bring their um, instruments on the road. Uh, uh, bon the same thing. He didn't want to be seen playing his music. Um, this video that we're going to do with the the tallest man on earth, who I don't think has ever made a video. Um, uh, we're just going to see him fishing in a long shot. Um, yeah, I feel like um, that level of concentrated and activity is a better camera subject than someone actually doing something for the camera, like looking at the camera. The worst, I think, is lip syncing when they're like staring at the camera and lip syncing. I mean, nobody does that in life, you know, and I guess what I'm trying to do is is make these videos kind of seem more like life or an expression of, of, of living, I guess. And um, um, exalting those everyday moments, you know, that, that we all experience um, in nature or, uh, you know, how we feel about a person's face. Um, you know, just, I guess it's more emotive um, that way for me. Um, I, I can feel something more than if someone's actually doing something for the camera. And that's kind of where I like to be. It's why I like to show up these, these places by myself and get to know the subjects a little bit. And so to answer your long answer, but to answer your question, when actors are around, the musicians are on their best behavior. And I wanted to ask you about... Um a specific video, which is the uh, Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zero's 40-Day Dream music video, uh, because this one is unique in that it is part of the Salvo 12-part music series, music video series, um, and this is the, the third installment, and um, you guys also created a, a score for it outside of the actual song to intro and outro yes. of the song. So I, I was wondering, um, you know, that's such a an interesting situation to be in, to be part of a series and to have a, a score. And I was just wondering if you could, uh, you know, take us through where you, or how you came to direct this music music video. Did you guys, did you know Ed, Edward Sharp and, and, and the band beforehand, or, or was it part of a treatment process? Oh, yeah. These guys were all my really good friends, and, you know, I directed Alex Ebert in a video with Brady Corbett um, for uh, his band I'm a Robot. And we'd known each other for years. Alex died before he thought of Edward Sharp. And I think I was one of the first people that ever heard those songs because um, our company, The Masses, um, when Heath Ledger was in, around, um, we had a music company, and that was our first band. And um, so that was going to be the idea for The Masses back then was that um, we were going to have a uh, uh, music, the success of our music company was going to fuel our film company. And um, the, the annoying thing about all this is, is that we were right. I mean, Edward Sharp became a huge hit. Um, the unfortunate thing is that, you know, he died and we folded up the music end of our company. Um, but by that time, we were roped into um, this idea that Alex had cooked up about Salvo and they were just crazy ideas, and we were always trying to harness them. And um, <laughs> uh, we did pound out a film treatment that was, I think, 12 videos that would make one movie. And um, started working with um, somebody who I believe is going to be uh, have a great voice in cinema, and that's the composer Miguel Atwood Ferguson. And he did the, uh, the, the instrumentals that you were referring to. And so he's got such like an amazing filmic sense. And I feel like we were couching Alex's grandiose ideas into something that we could actually go out and shoot. 
you know, so um, there was very little money, and yet this had an epic scope to it. And um, the 40 Day Dream video um, is it exists just sheer will of my own, you know, because I it was just, I was just kind of left there by myself to finish it, you know, with you know a group of crazy hippies and you know <laughs> the the management had abandoned ship. Um, my own company had pretty much abandoned me at that time, and it was 120 degrees out there. Um, it was fucking hell, and um, <laughs> I am glad that video is done. And uh, I doubt if we'll see another installment of the great and mighty Salvo. Um, but uh, yeah, that's let's put that one to bed. But I do think the video turned out pretty good, and um, uh, they write some snappy tunes. I think uh, Edward Sharp is a great band, and I love Brady Corbet's video. That's like my 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 second favorite video of the year um, is a uh, Brady's video for Edward Sharp. Um, did you all see that one with the? He got the New York City Ballet to be in this fucking video. I can't believe that Brady's Brady's the man. No, that yeah, that is a, an amazing video. Yeah, no, I'm I I love Edward Sharp, and and that's really amazing that I mean that he has that connection with you guys. Um, that's, that's, go way back. that's quite a band to start off the, uh, the, the music <laughs> division with. I know it's, it's too bad that, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's too bad we couldn't have kept that going, but, um, maybe someday. Yeah. And, and, you know, before we let you go, I wanted to, to, to mention that because you mentioned, uh, Heath Ledger and I think people, you know, obviously everybody knows who Heath Ledger is, but they, they definitely... You know, I think ninety nine point nine percent of people wouldn't say you know music video director when they think of that. But in fact, you know, he has as you you know list on the site, and we have on Filmed Insert, he has a number of music videos that um, that he that he directed. Um, so I, I was wondering if you could just uh, you know for, for listeners who don't know, clue us into um, you know the role he had in founding that, and and you know why he was interested in making music videos because that's such an interesting interesting kind of thing that I don't think a lot of people know about. Well, Heath uh, moved in with me when he was 17 years old and uh, you know we really shared uh, a love of music together and he would always help me with my music videos and um, you know he got really creative you know just being my assistant basically. And then you know he went off to uh, get all sorts of movies and work with all sorts of directors and cinematographers. And, and then he came back and he said that he wanted to establish his film company with the masses, that he liked the way we do things and he wanted to learn how to shoot, how to edit. So um, we taught him how to do that. Uh, he was very hands-on. Um, our, our best times uh, you know, were had at the editing table, for sure. You know, um, we, just, uh, we just really had a good time. Um, sharing all this together, and um, you know we were uh, we were gonna be heading into our films, um, you know. But this was our training ground and a real sanctuary for him, and uh, a place you know where he wanted to to learn and grow, and um, you know he put his uh, put his weight behind it, you know, um, and, and that's what we were experiencing and. Uh, two years before he died, you know, with a music company and getting an office and things like that, you know, like that kind of took it out of my, my house and, you know, gave us an address. Um, so, uh, now I feel like, you know, we've, there's been, a, uh, it's been a, a real struggle to hold on to the masses, but, um, the creative energy has always lifted me and now there's a whole new group of people around. Um, and Heath, Heath would love them, and uh, you know we've uh, we've we've kept the the ideal, and you know I hope he's up there um, liking what we're doing. And um, I know I always hear his voice, you know, when I have the camera in my hand, you know, telling me to fuck things up, or <laughs> but that's too symmetrical, or look over there, or you know, it just kind of kicks my butt a lot. Well, I I definitely think the future is bright for you guys. I mean, you guys have a, an amazing stable of of directors, um, as well as an amazing stable in the masses masses lab coming up. You know, what is what is you know on the docket for you guys next? 
Well, um, I am going to make my film next spring. Um, it's called The Makings of You. And uh, Jack Richardson, our EP here, will be producing it uh, with me. And that's, that's a whole another level for me. Um, in terms of the company and the directors, we want to just get a tighter focus and, um, you know, just keep, keep doing our, our stuff, you know, and just keep it fresh and exciting. And I think, you know, every one of these directors has something fresh and exciting up their sleeve. And uh, some will come out sooner than, than others. But, um, you know, it's, it's uh, the work is where, you know, that, that's what makes us. You know, that's, that's the only thing I've ever hoped to stand on is the quality of our work. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, the Heath Ledger connection because if you go to the Masses website, um, it's right there. Uh, that one of the links is Heath's work, and um, you know I think uh, that that's something that people don't really realize. I remember, um, or when you mentioned Heath Ledger, I mean everybody knows who Heath Ledger is, uh, and they know him from you know the Dark Knight or Brokeback Mountain or um, was that movie where he was a knight? Knight's Tale, but Knight's I know Tale. or. Ten things I hate about you. Ten you things can't. I hate about you. That's right. That's a, and it came out a long time ago. Uh, but um, his music video work, I, I really enjoy it. It's uh, it's it's um, and uh, you know that's one thing. If you said, did you know Heath Ledger directed music videos? I don't think anybody, even maybe fans of Heath Ledger, who you know are are, are big fans, would would maybe not know. So uh, it's it's very interesting. I think it says a lot yeah. about the art form that he. Uh, that he was interested in that art form enough to, to make a few. Yeah, totally. And I also want to mention, I want to publicly thank Matt for teaching me how to use Final Cut. I didn't want to say it at the beginning of the show because I'd never want to make someone's introduction about me, but he taught me how to use Final Cut and it's super a fun thing to learn. Uh, what, what version of Final Cut were you using? Seven. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just got, yeah, I, I just got X. What do you think? I, I it takes some getting used to, but you know I like I don't edit videos a lot. I do one very you know once in a blue moon and, and um you know just chop something up and it's never for anything for releasing. It's always just uh you know if I have like home videos or something like that. It's good. I like it. Um I I don't like I used to do you know as you know Doug I used to do much larger projects. I, I and mm-hmm. I edited a, a you know an hour long documentary. I don't know if. How comfortable I'd feel editing something like that on Final Cut X, but uh, I'd give it a, I'd give it a shot maybe. Give it a go. And I also <laughs> just to, to go back to the stuff I was talking about. I said he taught me how to use it. Basically, that means he turned it on for me because um, I I suck at stuff. Um, uh, oh, wait, hold but, on, that doesn't make any sense. If he just turned it on for you and you did it, that means you would be like a savant at it. In a way. Okay, so that's definitely not the case. Right. Okay. Well, I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna. I may cut out. I may cut out the whole thing about Final Cut because I'm not comfortable talking about myself in in a way that's sincere. Um, no, we need so, to have. We need to ha- talk about ourselves. It's important. It needs to be documented. Our yeah. in self. Um, you know what else needs to be documented is this week's picks of the week. Let's do it. Oh man, there's been so many great music videos that have come out in the last just the last week. So there has a, been. It's been. I mean, just I think last Thursday was just huge. There was just wave after wave of great videos. So there's a whole bunch of great music videos to choose from. Uh, do you want to go first, Doug? Um, yeah, I'll go first. I'm okay. picking a video that I'm picking a video that came out today, which wow. is which uh, is weird that I would say it in that way because today is literally like it's not going to be today for anyone listening to this. It's physically impossible because we don't put this out for at least a day so whatever it came out <laughs> october 1st uh october 1st a great reference because that's when we recorded this um hmm. my pick of the week is for a <laughs> it's for a lady a lady named uh sky ferreira and the song is called everything is embarrassing and the director is grant singer um I like this video, which is why I picked it for my pick of the week. 
Um, it's uh, essentially it's just a black and white video, kind of just features uh, Sky Farrow, who I had not heard of prior to seeing this video, um, just kind of you know doing her thing, singing. Uh, Adam likes to call it mugging for the camera. I think this oh, qualifies. Oh, you get a mug, yeah. I think this qualifies as mugging for the camera. That's a dying art. But uh, I think, uh, I don't know, I think one Sky Ferrer has got a little uh, grimesy and appeal going on, and by grimesy and appeal, I might just mean she's a pretty lady. I can't really determine what draws me to music videos. Maybe it's just that. But I'm, I think it's because it's a great video, and it's great. And so that's why I'm going to direct it to you. The word great and uh, Sky Ferrer embarrassing everything is embarrassing. Duck Clinker Pick of the Week. Was your Pick of the Week embarrassing if everything is? It's a great name for a song. Like yeah, a song I guess. Name. I mean, I guess if the title of the song is true, then yes, my Pick of the Week was embarrassing. So for my Pick of the Week, it is Grizzly Bear, yet again, directed by Emily Kaibach, who was on an episode of this podcast uh and we'll put that link in the show notes uh we interviewed her just a few months ago um which was uh, you know a while after she had directed the oblivion video for grimes which got her a lot of attention and i believe this is the first video after that to come out um so i was wondering when she was going to come out with it with some some you know another video in our interview with her we were talking about how you know, she'd signed with a, a rep and was, you know, doing the whole sending out treatments thing, and it was kind of getting into the um, mechanics of the business. And you know, so I was really interested to see what she would come out with after this, and definitely not disappointed yet again. It's a really fantastic video. It uh, is the story of a young figure skater who just falls through the ice. And uh, doesn't come up in the place where she fell through, but comes up in the lake and has to find her way home. It's a really trippy, uh, surreal video. I don't know, why did I use the word trippy? It's the stupidest word to describe something. Um, and the band Grizzly Bear is great. I've been listening to them a lot lately. And their album uh, that Yet Again is from is, uh, is fantastic. But um, this uh, video got a lot of love on Twitter that are, and YouTube the day it came out. I just saw a tweet. A few minutes ago from Warren Fu, another director from the podcast, who uh, was saying how much she loves Emily Kaibach's work. So I think we have a, a definite, um, it's, I don't know if Rising Star is the right, right word, I don't know if you use that for music video directors, but someone who's really, looks like they have a fantastically bright feature in the music video world coming uh, coming up and Emily Kaibach and I, I enjoy her music videos so there we go um, Canadian repping hard for the Canadian yeah repping hard you sound like some old like like I think you should have like a cigar in your mouth and you're like oh that kid box got a future ahead of her like you should have a cigar in your mouth because people who make decisions oh maybe if I was the, maybe maybe if I was the only person saying that but I'm definitely, <laughs> Every, definitely no pretty not. much everyone's yeah. saying that um, but Grizzly, it's just a, a great video. It's funny because I was watching the YouTube comments. Um, I don't know. There are some funny YouTube comments on it. On it. But I think that, but the general consensus now from the crowd is that they, they like it as well. And the general people are, general crowd is a hard crowd to please. Yeah, general audience is definitely a tough nut to crack. That's the phrase I use. And um, uh, the, some of the best things ever is the people trying to figure out what music videos mean. Mm, um, that's a big one for that. And yeah, and uh, yeah, probably a lot of misses. Remember when we tried to do that mid-interview? Uh, we won't go back to that those days when we tried to guess what imp- what music videos meant and swinging, swinging and missing with the director on the line. Those we would always do that. We'd be like, so does the dove in the music video represent uh, life? And they'd be like, oh, I just found a dove. It's like, oh no, that that just flew in the background. <laughs> it's not part of anything. I feel like um, the comic book guy, or like the the guy who's like in, uh, or or so, so there's like like a Q and A in The Simpsons. I think it's Sideshow Bob who's gonna get Q and A, and the guy is in the audience. He's like uh, in episode uh, two hundred five. Uh, Chris or uh, Itchy is playing a xylophone, and you know clearly strikes the same rib trice. Uh, 
and yet produces uh, two different distinct tones. <laughs> uh, are we supposed to believe this is some sort of uh, magic xylophone? And I can picture us doing that and be like, okay. <laughs> I remember in your music video around uh, 327, we see, uh, you know, there's no smoke coming out of the back of the motorcycle. Everybody knows that this motor- model of motorcycle produces at least some faint mist in the background. Can you explain uh, why you are trying to deceive Continuity. Yes. yes. Have, we'll put a page, we'll put a link on every video now, continuity mistakes. <laughs> and, uh, and then we just put a picture um, on the top of each of our pages with just us looking disappointed. Hmm. So look out for that. New features every day, including that. So I believe that is all we have for this episode of Music Video Land. What else could you want, really? Yeah, what else could you would you want? We've already, oh my god, we've already given you everything we have, and all you want is more, more, more. Well, if you want more, you can always go to twitter.com slash filmconcern, where it's most, it's 100% me. Let's just, it's all, it's all me tweeting. Um, yeah, especially when, and it's definitely all Adam tweeting, and, and also Adam is responsible for all the misspelled words in every blog post uh especially those that have to do with uh directors who have had their work and name frequently misspelled on the site direct all your upsetness to adam yes and verbal abuse to me and of course you can find us on facebook.com slash filmed insert uh pile on click the like button click the like button on every page you're there um yeah pile on to a whole pile of people like every link and mm. then share them up. And uh, that's it. We'll see you guys next week uh, here on the podcast. Goodbye. Bye. Well, it, it it did make me a little bit upset.